I'm not the house of cards that falls down easily Ooh, I'm strong enough to handle what you throw at me Welcome to Mental Health News Radio. I'm your host, Kristen Sunanta-Walker. Just what are we going to discuss? The intimacy that is mental health. Let's continue to make it as comfortable as discussing brain health or heart health. This show has been on the air for several years and we have amazing co-hosts. And then we created a network of podcasters on mentalhealthnewsradionetwork.com, a place where every possible facet of mental well-being can be talked about openly. My show, after several hundred interviews, the format is this. Intimate, deep, funny, touching, sometimes uncomfortable, but always vulnerable conversations with interesting people. The goal is to have you, our listening family, many of you who have become my good friends, feel as though you are listening in on private conversations. Thank you for tuning in and becoming part of this amazing journey with me and now with our network of podcasters. Just knowing this podcast might be helping any of you realize you are not alone on this journey called being a human being makes doing this podcast worth every second. Hey everyone, Kristen Walker here, and we are on with Matt Alley. Matt, thanks for coming on the show. No, I'm happy to be here, Kristen. Happy to get a chance to sit down and and talk with you a little bit about uh, some pretty important topics going on in our world. Yes, absolutely. So uh, we met at a NAMI conference where um, I was uh, speaking about podcasting, and I did maybe 12 minutes about social media addiction and its impact on society. So what compelled you out of that to want to have me come and speak at what we're going to talk about next? Well, you know, other than your, your presence and the graceful (laughs) way that you explain the topic, I, in my world, you know, working specifically with high school students and middle school students across the state of Michigan, uh, there's never been a more important time to uh, really talk about some of the safeguards and way that we, we as educators, as parents, um, can hopefully start to educate our, our students and our children about what a toxic environment can be created in, in the world of social media. I mean, there's got to be, obviously, there's, there's so much good and there's so much communication and notification. You know, social media as a tool is, is an incredibly uh, life-altering um, you know, a life-altering tool that we can all use. Mm-hmm. But the dark side that students can get involved in is just as detrimental um, as the positive it can create. So speak a little bit about this topic and you just started to dive into it. I know that wasn't your focal point of of that specific speaking engagement, Uh, but as a leadership group, we we talked and we knew we had to bring you in so that you could educate and enlighten um, a lot of our administrators and people in a leadership position to get this information to the hands of our students. Yeah. And you know, the challenge with that is being able to, speak about it in a way that doesn't shame anybody and because you know then no one wants to hear what you have to say and also um, speak about it in a from the point of i wasn't i didn't come out of the womb with availability to a smartphone tablet you know ipad anything like that and social media right there so my experience of it is very different than today's high school student so i you know i really had to sit back and go what can i talk about with them that they're really going to hear and that's really going to make a difference. No, I didn't. I agree. And you know, a lot of our students 
there's articles, there's research, there's, there's items out there right. that they can pull this information. They, they hear about it. It's, it's becoming part of their culture. But at the same time, they don't really understand it until it, it affects them personally or affects right. a friend of theirs or um, a loved one. So I, I think it's on the peripherals. But at the same time, it's that universal understanding that you, you need them to understand what the downfall could be. Right. And more importantly, what tools and, and proactive approach they can then institute in their lives to make sure they're using it for good. Um, they're not somehow getting involved in the online bullying. They're kind of staying away from that. Right. Or they're not getting involved in some of these, these third-party applications or, or some of the, uh, you know, some of the darker web services that are out there, you know, that, that we don't even really understand or know about yet. Yeah, that's, that's what's been fascinating me to develop, you know, to delve into this particular topic. And then, you know, my gosh, you uncover something and then you uncover more and more and more and more and more all the way down to sex trafficking. And, and they're experts at it <laughs> while we're still trying to figure out Snapchat. You know, they, uh, all of the resources <laughs> come to us, you know, six <clears throat> months later and we can understand like, oh, you know, you know, this service is now doing, you know, is, is giving our students, you know, these resources and it's having this social, well, we don't hear about that until way after the fact. Oh yeah. Absolutely. They're, they're already moving on to the next thing while we're still playing catch up. And that's, that's a dangerous game to get into. Absolutely. Absolutely. So tell our listeners just so that they understand what is the event that I'm going to be coming to speak at. Yeah, sure. So about a, about a year ago, um, my, um, our boss, our executive director for the Michigan Principals Association, uh, sat down with me and a couple other team members, and we really wanted to put together a program that we could talk about student mental health and kind of remove some of the stigmas, uh, get a lot of administrators, counselors, educators, and students in the same room, and really try to start attacking this um, epidemic head on. Uh, there's so many different facets with student mental health, and, and for a large part, most of our administrators across the state kind of throw your hands in the air and say, what, what can we do? You know, they're seeing the, they're seeing the effects. Uh, you know, a lot of schools are dealing with suicide ideation. You know, what can we do to give our schools the tools and resources to help strengthen their culture, strengthen their building, and then ultimately give it back to the students so that they can have a better understanding of what might be going on in their, in their growing bodies and how to, again, pull some of those tools out so that they can um, work proactively so it doesn't take a hold and affect their lives to a point where it's affecting their studies, affecting their social circles, and ultimately affecting their health. Right, exactly. Now, in terms of the organization that you're um, that you work for, that you work with, is this? I know administrators will be at this um, summit. I guess are you calling it a summit or a conference? Uh, this is the first, hopefully annual. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's going to be annual from the. Uh, the reactions we've gotten, but it will be the Student Mental Health Summit. Okay, cool. So at the summit, there are going to be administrators, but um, in terms of students, now obviously not every student from every high school in the state of Michigan can come. So how is the, you know, this, the student leadership, how is that formed so that, you know, those kids come or those students come and what is their role back at their it's schools? One of the uh, more exciting parts of the event. Uh, so for an organization, we have a administrator side, a principal side, and we have a student side. Mm -hmm. And generally, we run specific events for both sides of the house uh, where you have administrators in the room, whether you're talking about uh, 
best practice scenarios, teacher evaluation, ways to create positive school culture. You have a student side, we talk about leadership skill sets, development of those skill sets, um, career and college focus. So for this program, what we're excited to do is what we said we wanted to roll this out. We blended the two sides of the house so that schools are actually bringing teams. So instead of just an administrator attending, instead of just a couple of students attending, schools have decided to bring a team that consists of a building administrator, their uh, guidance counselor, an educator, and then three students each. So oh, you get this awesome. really cool collaboration between the groups where you're actually giving them the same information. Um, they're going to hear keynotes. We have breakout presentations. And then they can sit back and have some open discussion for what this looks like in their building. Because obviously from an administrative side, they're going to have a completely different perspective uh, than the students will. The students right. will bring up, you know, A, B, and C are really big problems in the building, while administrators might be focusing on X, Y, and Z. So it gives them that, that platform uh, to talk about the most important facets of their building, and then some collaboration time where they can say, what should we prioritize first? What can we attack first? How can we get on the same page so that uh, just like we're doing in our office, but both sides of their house can hopefully come up with some of these, these programs and measures to make their school you know, a, a stronger building overall. That is so awesome. I, have you guys, um, did you follow a template sort of, of of another state doing this or is this something that you, you know, you guys created on your own? We, we did create it as we've gone through the creation process, the mm. agenda development. Uh, we've reached out to a lot of other friends we have in different states and we found that other states are doing similar type programs or they're yeah. at least uh, building the framework to run their own programs. But as far as I'm aware, this is a, a unique program that we're happy to offer for the state of Michigan. And as soon as we conclude this and can evaluate it and put some notes together, you know, we do plan on sharing this um, with executive directors you know, across the nation so that they could put the same type of, of program in place. Yeah, this is phenomenal. I mean, it's so in line with what we do on my podcast network. Just <laughs> it, that's that's what I love about it. When I heard more about what you're what you've created and what you're doing, I was like, this is exactly you know the the wanting of to create of creating something like this to be a, a different voices, different aspects of mental health, have it reach different demographics. That's exactly what we wanted to do with this you know, with this podcast platform. So as many people are talking about mental health as possible. Oh, absolutely. And it, it, even in the school setting, you know, you can only do so much testing. You right. can only focus so much on GPA and coursework. You, you, you got to support the back end as well. I mean, if our students are not healthy, if they're not happy, if they're not monitoring themselves, you're going to see a decline, you know, in, in what, in what they you know, brick and mortar schools are built to do. And that's to educate right. our students um, to hopefully get them in a position where they can find a career of passion, um, where they want to, um, you know, really make a change to this world. So how can we do that and give them all this, this content and this curriculum if we're not taking care of, of their, their mind and body as well? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that, that piece is imperative. And, I, and the fact that you give them the a platform you give them a leadership role in order to be a part of this that's the piece i think that is the the winning piece for what you're doing plus working with uh, the adults at their school i mean they're adults too but you know what i'm saying that you know the administrators and and different uh, people at the school that's a piece too. That collaboration that comes together is another reason where, uh, when we started Digital Tech Initiative, which is our our B Corp, that's all about 
social media addiction and digital media addiction across the board is one of the things that I said to everyone that's a part of it. We have to, we have to get this message out. It's, we're not the first talking about it. We won't be the last talking about it. We may not even be the best that are talking about it. However, we're talking about it. We're talking about it. And how can we talk about it to where every age group that's affected can hear us? And my biggest piece of that was let's have a varied membership board, you know, people in different professions, people that are doing different things uh, across the board of mental health and bring in comedians because what, you know, there's nothing like a comedian <laughs> to be able to come in and deliver a really important message that can have, um, very frightening, sobering undertones to it. And yet no one, no one's sitting there or no one, and no one walks away feeling like they are ashamed because they participate in something like, you know, too much social media as an example. And they, that goes back to the, you know, the idea of stigma that really dominates uh, the, the mental health field. Absolutely. Uh, a friend of mine, Kevin Fisher, who's the executive director. Yeah, I love Kevin. In Michigan. He talks about stigma in all of his presentations. And you have to move past that if you want to have, you know, not just a better understanding of mental health, but if you actually want to make change. It can't just hide in the corner anymore. It's not something we want to lock away and tell people just be stronger, just get over it. Right. Uh, you want students reaching out for help. Um, and he has some incredibly fascinating, but also some incredibly alarming statistics, you know, about the, uh, the number of students uh, specifically that are affected by mental health or that could qualify for a medical diagnosis. You know, and then the number of students that actually receive or ask for help. And the two statistics are, have such a, a wide gap between the two that you really have to start talking about this and making this a normal part of our curriculum so students understand that this is okay, that this is normal, and that there are resources out there that we can help make sure that you're always moving in the right direction and at least trending towards um, being able to take care of yourself. Exactly. It, it makes me think of this. You know, we... We, we're in this, you know, technology age and it's done so much for us. We're the, you know, the ability to work in the way that we do, the speed at which we do to connect the way we do is just unreal. But what seems to be the sort of the key or the answer to not getting sucked into it where you lose yourself, or if you have lost yourself, lost touch with yourself, how to get yourself back is to go back to those old principles of mindfulness, consciousness, yes. <laughs> unplugging, being a part of nature. <laughs> even, you know, even as an adult, and me and my wife talk about this all the time, some of, some of the best relaxation times that we have, some of the best family trips we've taken are, are places uh, that you go where you don't have self-service, you mm -hmm. don't have a signal. If you're going camping, if you're getting away from a weekend, uh, we have certain nights that we say, you know, this is a no phone, no phone night, you know, and the phone gets put on the charger, you don't touch it, you don't look at it for six, eight hours, you know, a chance to reconnect with family and friends. Um, yeah. it's, it's very, very uplifting. And when you couple that with all the work that you can get done, and you kind of put that aside and try to focus on, you know, what makes sense to you and what makes sense in your life, you know, it, it does help refocus you. It does help you find your balance. Absolutely. And it's, you know, you, you do get this, well, I think too, understanding how it triggers like your dopamine flush, uh, which dopamine is one of those happy brain chemicals. And yet dopamine is 
the only chemical that gets that constant hit when it comes to social media because of the follows and the likes and things like that. It, it, it's not good when it's the only thing that your brain is latching onto. And so understanding that and how your body can quote unquote betray you when you use these things too much helps you with that staying awake. So you can go back and you can use the tools that are out there for you to use, but be awake while you're doing it. Don't just become a zombie that's, you know, a drone sitting there and you don't even realize that life is going on around you because you are so sucked into this screen. If you are aware and awake about what it's potentially doing to you, um, then you can stop and go, okay, you know what? Maybe I need to kind of, you know, pull back from this. And the adults can be just as bad as the- Oh, as the absolutely. You know, the other thing that we, you know, we try to focus on is helping, you know, the adults in the room have a better understanding that this is a, uh, a real issue, you know, for their, their children. And it's not just something where you can bark at them and say, put the phone down. Get, I mean, when we talk about, you know, the likes and the followers, that, that's, a, that's a real talking point for kids of, of their age. Um, you know, an old adjective we used to say in the counseling world that if it's a real problem for your client, it's a real problem that needs to be addressed. Um, it doesn't matter how ridiculous someone else might think it is or what your perceptions of that issue might be. If it's a real problem for somebody, it has to be really discussed and you have to put a lot of time and thought behind you know, how you can get that individual uh, to get that clear understanding, as you were mentioning. Right, exactly. I mean, and I think too, what, what's helping and what we've seen it, as we've done more talks about this topic has been saying, look, we raise our hands. You know, we have this, we struggle with this too. We are not standing up here as someone who has figured this all out. We're not doing that in any way. We have to police ourselves. We have to tell ourselves every day, okay, you've been on Facebook too much today, or you've been on Snapchat or whatever it is, Instagram, you've been doing that too much and you're starting to see how it's affecting your mental well-being. And you, you know, you're looking at, well, why do I need to put this out there? Just questioning those things. I think that that's helped us have a better retention rate in terms of people tuning in and not getting on social media while we're actually doing a talk. <laughs> we're sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because we stand up there and yeah. say, we're just as bad here. Yeah. Here we go. So, yeah, I mean that, that, I think that relatable piece is what's going to help because um, there isn't anyone out there that has an answer. And I know that I've gone to some of the talks where they've just said, you know, it's same thing with mental health talks where I've gone to someone and I, and, and the speaker's really hyped and they mean well, but all they're doing is saying, you just need to take more vitamins and do yoga and yeah. you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. And I look at them like, has this person ever had clinical depression? Cause I am not resonating with what they're telling me. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's interesting you bring that up because the other big content piece that we're really trying to push is just like we've tried to figure out in education. When you, when you talk about your techniques, you talk about your lectures, um, your homework, the way you give tests, education isn't a, a uh, one size fits all. And we all understand that now. The different students need to be approached different way. Right. Um, we give them different resources, different coaching, um, different ways to make sure they understand the curriculum. Well, there is no magic wand we're going to be able to wave for mental health. There's not going to be one item that we can say, here's the answer. We solved, we figured it out, run with this. Every student, every individual has to be approached a different way. 
So right. having those resources in place, having some of that professional development in place, where well, we can then say, here are five different techniques or 10 different techniques that we can try in the classroom based on the student, based on what you're seeing, um, you know, just ways to help make sure that we are engaging and then getting them um, in the hands of the professionals who can help take them to the next step. That has to be a, a focal point for this discussion. We're never going to have this, this one universal ball that we can, we can throw out there and it's going to cure everything. We have to keep being diligent about different techniques, new research, and trying to, trying to push that back and to give that back to our schools so that we can make some, some tangible change. Yeah, that's such a good point because you're right that what may resonate for someone else, you know, isn't going to resonate here. Whereas if you are learning how to ride a horse, there are tried and true methods that work for everybody because it's something like riding a horse. Mental health is a completely, you know, different animal. It's like when people have said to me, well, you know, I, I went to a counselor because, you know, you said counseling could be something I should try. And I just didn't like that counselor. Or if it's someone who needs medication. Um, well, I tried one medication and it didn't work. So it, then they just stop. And I always have to come back and go, listen, <laughs> mental health is, is, is a different animal. You have to, so there are people I know that have tried 20 different kinds of medication until they found the one that works for them. They've tried 10 different counselors until they found the one that works for them. And they've seen different counselors over the course of their lifetime, depending on what they're going through at any particular moment in time. So it is that very lock and key thing that you have to keep tweaking. So you're right. Having a very varied uh, program is the only thing that's going to be able to even come near reaching as many people as possible on a topic as vast as this. And, and it's the, the perseverance. If, you, if you're right. gonna, you have to keep trying until you find something that works. And if there's one thing that we can be as educators it can be that champion and a student's like to say, keep going, right. keep working, you know, keep getting better, you know, keep trying to find what will work for you to make sure they're, they're a part of the discussion moving forward. Um, all techniques and resources aside, if we can have an understanding that we are a big part of our students' lives, and in a lot of cases, they don't have anyone else cheering in their corner, right. we can keep pushing them to seek help to make sure something sticks. That's very true. That's very true. And it's always, always nice too to say, look, this is, this is where it used to be with mental health. This is where it seems to be today and it is getting better. I mean, I even notice I've been, you know, speaking about it since I was 14 and I'm going to be 50 next month or I'm sorry, 49. I'll be 50 in January. So I'm 49 now, but, but yeah, when I first started really talking about this in the last decade, I would bring up in the grocery store, you know, people would ask what you do and I'd bring up mental health that I work in that field and people would just kind of crickets. Nobody says anything. Everybody gets uncomfortable. And that said a lot to me about the stigma that's out there. And now today I can be somewhere and I can bring that up and people go, oh yeah, man, I've struggled with anxiety forever. It's just the conversation is so much more relaxed and open and that oh, those other people that deal with that really doesn't exist as much as it used to, which is really good. We're going at least in the right direction. Inspiring. It's absolutely inspiring. Absolutely. And programs like this help, help it happen. So last question for you, what made you want to, you know, do this kind of work and, and create a program like this? There's a lot of facets that go into it. Obviously there's, there's a need. 
uh, there'd be a need in any state across the nation. Uh, so we're happy that Michigan's uh, taking part in putting some proactive programming in place. Uh, before I took over my current role, I was a high school guidance counselor. Uh, we sought constantly at the local level from my, my one building that I was in. And you get an understanding that there's a lot of counselors, there's a lot of schools that are looking for more tools and more resources to use. And that was a big driving force. Uh, the, the other large component for me is that fortunately in my job, we see, we see about 10,000 students a year just from specific programming. And, and being the director of uh, you know, the Student Council and the Honor Society Association for Michigan, typically speaking, you work with the best of the best. And with the best of the best students and having these one-on-one -on -one conversations, working with my uh, 30 student board of delegates from across the state, mm -hmm. it's, a, it's in their lives as well. And it is such a, it's such a universal facet for every student, uh, regardless of age, gender, race, ethnicity, that you understand that all students across this spectrum can be, can be affected. So what can we do as a state to make sure that every single student has those resources available to make sure that if, if something happens in their life or in this digital world, that we can be the ones to help right that ship and get them back on the right course. Absolutely. Well, Matt, tell our listeners when the event is and where they can find out more information about it. Yeah, the Student Mental Health Summit will be kicking off our inaugural summit on October 8th in Lansing, Michigan. And more information can be found at massp.com. Yep, and I'm excited to be there. We're going to have Dr. Lisa Day, a clinical psychologist and registered nurse, Frank King, who's known as the mental health comedian, San Garcia, who is a marketing and networking entrepreneur, and then me will be there talking about this with one of my favorite people too. Um, we'll get to see Kevin Fisher while we're there. So I'm really excited about being a part of the event, and I'm honored that you asked us to come, Matt. Oh, we're, we're excited to have you. It's going to be uh, a great event, but your presence there and your team presence there is going to put it really over the top. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you, Kristen. And thank you listeners for tuning in to another edition of Mental Health News Radio and Digital Distraction. I know, I know, no one likes commercials, but seriously, folks, without the help from these organizations, we could not stay on the air. Please give a shout out to zencharts.com. If you're a mental health or addiction treatment center, you'll want to use their EHR. It's gorgeous, and they're just good people. And also MyGenetics, M-Y-G-E-N-E-T-X.com, because knowing your genetic code empowers your mental health treatment. And lastly, CopeNotes.com. We love getting positive messages right to our phones every day from Johnny Crowder. He's the lead singer of Prison, a heavy metal band sharing their music about suicide prevention, addiction recovery, and mental health. See, that was painless. Support them as they support us. Back to the show. Sometimes I'm passive aggressive, but never without good intentions. I heat up and act on my emotions. Thanks so much for listening to Mental Health News Radio. Our podcast can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and hundreds of other podcast apps. Or you can visit our website at mentalhealthnewsradio.com. If you have a question or would like to be a guest, become a podcaster on our network, 
or join the amazing organizations that help keep us on the air, please email us at info at mhnrnetwork.com. Get ready for that special goodbye from our resident therapy dog, Miles, and a special thanks to Emily Sohn for letting us use her incredible song, Cordial, for our podcast music. Listen to the full song on SoundCloud at emily.sonne. Don't be surprised when I don't hate on you. After all, we promised we'd be cordial. Sometimes in you, I can fight it. Good boy.